0: Presbyterian Church online. This week in worship, Pastor David takes a look at Adam and Jesus and the juxtaposition of those two stories. Let's listen. This is not going to be your typical Advent sermon. Typically, during Advent, we study Jesus' birth and the events surrounding Jesus' birth, and that's good and that's important, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. I want to study why Jesus was born. Why did Jesus choose to be born into our world in such a humble way? Why did God choose to come to earth, to become incarnate in the Christ child? What is the meaning behind the story? But before we get to that, let me share with you an ancient proverb you may be familiar with it that that kind of primes the pump for where we're going. The proverb says, the one who wants to move a mountain begins by carrying away small stones. I mean, that speaks to a truth that I would think all of us know somewhere inside of ourselves, that if you want to accomplish something big, you have to start small. You don't start with the big thing or the big dream because that can be unattainable. No, you instead have the big thing in your mind and then say, what are the small steps I need to do to get there, to get to the big thing? Let me give you an example. I ran um, a half marathon yesterday. It started in Birkdale and then went over to Gilead Road and then came back to Birkdale. And as I began thinking about doing a half marathon, if I would have just started with 13 miles— There's no way I could have completed it. There's no way that I would have finished the race. No, you have to start with one mile. And once you're comfortable running one mile, and when you feel like, oh yeah, I can do this without too much exertion, then you go to the second mile. And on and on. You start small to get to the larger race or accomplishment. Here's another example. If you want a strong marriage that lasts a lifetime, you begin working on the next day of your marriage and making that next day strong, and then the next day after that, and the next day after that. Or think of Publix supermarket. Yeah, so the CEO of Publix did not start as the CEO. He actually started as a clerk in one of the public stores and he got to know the culture. He got to know the identity and he worked his way up, eventually then becoming the CEO. Yes, big things are possible through small, meaningful and intentional actions. Unfortunately, this is true for negative things in our lives as well. Sometimes there's a a little thing That we think, oh, this is no big deal. Yeah, maybe it's not the best thing to do, but, you know, it's fine. And those little things then tend to fester or become habits. And before you know it, you go, ooh, this is much of a bigger deal than I really thought at the beginning. Yet today, we're going to study in the Scriptures a seemingly small decision that ended up having massive consequences. And it was the decision of one person, the first person, Adam, that actually had consequences for the rest of humanity, including you and me. And this decision then leads to the reason why Jesus chose to come to earth. But we begin with Adam. So Paul tells the story. Paul is telling the story uh, from the New Testament perspective. We're picking up the story in Romans chapter 5 when he's looking back on all these events that happened in the book of Genesis. So we'll start in verse 12. Paul says this, Sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people, because all sinned. You may know this about Paul, but he loves to pack lots of information into really short sentences where you're left going, whoa, Paul, that was a lot to wrap my mind around. So let's break this down into three parts. Here's the first thing that Paul is saying. Sin entered the world through one man. That harkens us back to the story of Genesis, the first story of within our Bibles. The story of Adam and Eve. Sin entered the world through Adam. Now, I think most of us here are familiar with the story of Adam and Eve, so let me ask you then a bit of a deeper question about the story. What was that first sin? If sin entered the world through Adam, what was that first sin? Well, you might be thinking, okay, it was uh, when he ate the fruit right? The forbidden fruit. And you'd be right, but also wrong. And here's what I mean by that. That was the action. The action was eating the fruit. But what was the reasoning behind the action? What was the motivation behind Adam eating the fruit? In essence, what was the state of Adam's heart as he was taking down that fruit and choosing to eat it? If my daughters sneak candy I don't really care about the candy itself now being gone, the action. I care more about, well, why did they feel like they needed to be secretive or deceptive? What's going on in their heart in that act of stealing the candy? Same thing going on here. What was going on in Adam when he chose to eat that forbidden fruit? So for this, we need to look back at Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. So the serpent is talking to Adam and Eve, and the serpent said, God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The motivation for the first sin was to become like God. In essence, in eating that fruit, Adam is declaring his independence from God. He's saying, God, I don't think I need to live under your rule and authority anymore. I can become my own God. I can rule my own life. It's like he's telling God, I don't think I need you anymore because I can become like you. I can put myself on equal footing with God. I would argue that this is still the primary motivation for sin that humanity deals with. That humanity has this innate desire within them to be the gods of their own world. So sin and the motivation, the desire to become like God, entered into our world through Adam. That's the first thing that Paul is sharing with us. And then the second thing Paul says is then death entered through sin. Adam and Eve became mortal because of their desire to be like God. Again, we have to go back to the story of Genesis chapter 3 to understand this. A little later in the story, in verse 22, it says, And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. What this is teaching us is that Adam and Eve were created to live forever, but they chose to sever that relationship with God, and then they were no longer allowed to do so. The reality of of death, something we just take for granted, that death is the reality of our worlds. For Adam and Eve, that came only when they severed their relationship with the source of all life, God. And that's the second thing that Paul is sharing with us, death entering the world. And then the third thing is that in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So we are now included in this story. All of us, are like Adam, because all of us do have that internal want or desire to be our own gods, to be like God, to rule our own lives. But death is the constant reminder that we are not God, that there is only one God, and that we cannot live forever. So all of us, unfortunately, are in the same boat. We're all following in the footsteps of Adam. This is a reminder that this Advent sermon is thinking through the reasons that Jesus chose to come. And when you kind of look at our situation and what all of humanity has to deal with, you're getting a a pretty big clue as to why God chose to come into our world. I mean, Jesus is called the Savior, right? And Jesus is going to be saving us substantially from what situation we're reading about in today's Scripture. But before we go there, Paul explains a little bit more about this situation. The next verse says, Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam who is a pattern of the one to come. Okay, so most of us were taught a pretty simplistic notion of sin. We were taught that sin is simply breaking the rules, or some sort of moral failing. Uh, But breaking the rules can change depending on uh, your age, depending on your life stage. So when I was a teenager, breaking the rules was like, oh, I can't say a curse word. Yeah, to me, sinning is equivalent with saying something that I shouldn't say. Well, then I grew up and became an adult, and I thought, well, it's not a huge deal. I still want to speak wholesome language, but it didn't carry the same weight as it did when I was a teenager. But now I think, well, what would be breaking the rules today? And I think, well, is it if I'm feeling maybe greedy in my heart? Or if I'm thinking negative thoughts towards another person, would that be sinning for me? today you know it paul says it's it's not just the breaking of the commands that matters like adam did in eating that fruit what really matters is is what transcends the different stages of life which is the state of one's heart you see sin isn't really just the choices we make sin is the position of our heart and is our heart open to god or is our heart really just looking inward to ourselves? That's, that's what Paul's trying to get us to understand here. If we're being honest with ourselves, our hearts too often are like Adam's, where we want to be our own gods, and we follow then in the pattern of Adam. But thankfully, Christmas came. Thankfully, The season of Advent is here because it reminds us that we don't have to stay in that state of being, that Jesus chose to come to earth, that Jesus chose to be born as a human, just like Adam, except because Jesus was born, new possibilities arose for our situation. And that's what Paul wants to say next. So Paul then goes and says, but the gift, and this is the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift is not like the trespass or that initial sin. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, i.e. Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. So by our human nature, we tend to follow in the pattern of Adam, thinking about ourselves first and foremost. But God came into our world to create a new possibility for our lives. And it's a possibility of living this life with grace. You see, there's two different directions that are described in this passage. First is that direction of Adam, which is simply a life of conflict. It's a life of conflict between us and one another because we're always thinking of just what we need. It's a life of conflict between us and, and God because we want to be our own gods. But that's not the only possibility. Because Jesus was born, we now have the direction of Jesus as well. And this is a life of grace. As Jesus was born as a part of our human race, just like Adam was a part of the human race, except the difference is that through Adam came division, and through Jesus comes the possibility of grace. So I hope you're seeing here that the fact that Jesus came and the stories that we share each and every Christmas, it means that there's a whole new possibility for how to live this life, and it is the way of Jesus. Now, Paul now wants to compare these two different ways of life, the way of Adam and the way of Jesus. So in the next verse, he says, "...the gift of God, this gift of grace, cannot be compared with the result of Adam's sin. Yes, the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification." For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Yeah, Paul says that the gift of grace is so much more powerful than the trespass of sin. So much more powerful that you can't even compare the two. But then he goes on and compares the two. And he says, okay, you've got this this life of Adam, and that's a life that we're all used to living. It's a life of division. But now, because of Jesus, we have a new way of life that's possible as well. And it's a life of grace. An abundant provision of grace has been unleashed into the world because of Jesus' birth. Now death is not the only thing that reigns in this world. Did you catch what Paul said, now also reigns because Jesus came? Paul says it's not only death, but righteousness reigns as well. Now that word righteousness in Greek, which is what Paul was originally writing in, is dikosun, which means to be made right, with God, right, righteousness. So the word righteousness means to be made right with God. Literally, it's repairing one's relationship with God. So the Adam part of us seeks to divide ourselves from God, but then the righteousness that Jesus brings into the world, it allows us to repair this relationship that was so severed and so broken we get to choose which way of life to pursue. Is it the way of Adam or is it the way of Jesus and the way of grace? If we choose nothing, our natural bent is towards the way of Adam. So the scriptures today tell us that we can make an intentional choice to follow the way of grace. Paul, in his conclusion, makes this abundantly clear. These are the last words he says on the matter. He says, "...consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act, the birth of Jesus, resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man... The many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Having a right relationship with God, a repaired relationship with God. I hope you are starting to realize that the story of Jesus' birth, of a baby born in a manger, is not a tame story. We often highlight The fun aspects of it, the more childlike aspects of it, of the animals all in the manger together. And that's an aspect of it for sure. But it's not the heart of the story. The heart of the story is that Jesus' birth created the possibility of a whole new way of living this life. And that's a way that's open to you and it's open to me. It is the way of grace. Remember, at the beginning of this sermon, we said that you can take small, intentional choices and actions which then lead to a big result. Here's what I want to encourage you to do this Advent season. Start taking small, intentional steps in understanding God's grace in your life. And that probably is different for every person in this room. But to understand that god's grace has been unleashed into our world that god's grace through jesus christ is present and then we can live lives of grace so what does that look like for you what does that mean for you if you start taking small steps in that direction and then you come back a year from now and look back on this last year those small steps will create a large transformation that you will be absolutely in awe about. Jesus' birth may seem small and humble, and yet it transformed the entire world. So let us follow in the way of grace. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.